dear Lord, I, I pray that your word will be in my heart and in my mind and on my lips so that I may worthily proclaim your gospel. Well, welcome again, everybody. It's, uh, it's great to see everyone here, and it feels like we're getting back into the normal swing of things, having put the summer holiday-type season behind us. So it's kind of like the pace is picking up a bit. But I hope you've got time to sit back and um, listen to what I have to share with you this morning, which is about community. And I actually spoke about community uh, just over three years ago here, and um, I'm, I'm assuring you that I won't be going over the same ground. And that's even assuming that you remember what I said. <laughs> but what I, did, what I did do last time was I looked very quickly at all these different aspects of community. And I had two or three scriptures that addressed each of these things separately. And I still have those. So if you would like to have um, a copy of the handout that I had three years ago that looks at each of these different aspects of um, community life through the scriptures, through very short scriptures, as, as something just to have in front of you through the week, um, reflecting on whatever God leads you to reflect on this week, then please let me know. Just text me with your email address or send me an email and I'll send them out to you and you'll have those. But um, I want to park all that this morning and I want to go down a slightly different track. And what I want to look at this morning, it, it really follows on from something Adrian said last week about reset, which is a word that he's mentioned a few times um, over the last few months. Reset. And I want to look at resetting community with a focus on this community. So that's, that's what I'll be um, laying out over the next little while. So, there are two words used in the original scriptures in ancient Greek to refer to community. One of those is ecclesia and the other is koinonia. Now these are probably familiar terms. People have probably heard them uh, talked about before so I won't dwell on this too much but ecclesia is used um, only three times in the gospels it's used 111 times in the rest of the new testament and it means a public gathering <laughs> so it's often used to talk about gatherings of the church like a church meeting when we gather together in church ecclesia is the word that's used Okay, koinonia is not used at all in the Gospels and it's only used 19 times in the rest of the New Testament. And one might say, well, ecclesia is used six times as often as koinonia, so ecclesia is more important. I don't see it that way. I, I like to think that koinonia is a, a more refined expression of what community life is all about. So it's not used as often because koinonia refers to sharing life together. It's a lot more than when we gather. It's how we live out our life together. 
And so that's what koinonia is all about. And I just want to make um, another comparison between ecclesia and koinonia. You could think of ecclesia as the time that we spend together on a Sunday morning. It's, it's really just a couple of hours out of the whole week. But koinonia is something that we're living out every minute of every day in our life together as a community. So there's a, there's a big difference there as well. Now the passage I want to look at this morning is John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35. But first, I just want to uh, remind you of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. When he was asked, someone was trying to trick him. One of the teachers of the law was trying to trick him and he said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And we know what Jesus answered. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first, love your neighbor the same as you love yourself. So these, these, Jesus described these two as the most important commandments. And, and the word that comes through in, those, in each of those commandments is love 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 so when we get to john chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 we find this same word of course and i just want to um i just want to backtrack just so we are reacquainted with what has just happened in john chapter 13 what else has happened before the passage that we're looking at well it's pretty interesting actually the first thing, this is at the Last Supper. The first thing that happens is Jesus, who his followers think of as a, a teacher, someone who is to be respected and revered, he takes off his robes and washes the feet of each of his followers. That completely turns upside down their expectation of the kind of relationship that Jesus would have with them when he washes their feet. That's the first thing that happens. What's the next thing that happens? One of the twelve is identified as the person who's going to betray Jesus and leaves the group. That's the second thing that happens. What's the third thing that happens? Jesus tells those of his followers that are remaining, now that Judas is gone, that he's going to be leaving as well. He's not going to be around for much longer. Now you imagine, this is the person who has led you over the last three years. This is the person that you have followed in his footsteps for three years. You've been learning from him. You've been watching what he's been doing. You've seen the most amazing miracles, including people being raised from the dead. You've seen all of that. And then this person washes your feet. This person points out that there's a traitor in your midst who then leaves. This person says, actually, I'm not going to be here for much longer. 
Imagine how you'd be feeling if you had just spent, in, over the last, I don't know, half an hour, those three things had happened around the table as you sat at a meal with Jesus. And then he says this, I give you a new command. Love each other. You must love each other just as I have loved you. All people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. Now, what's the main phrase that occurs in that passage? Love each other. Love each other. That's right. There it is, three times. And, and actually, love gets mentioned a fourth time because Jesus uses as the example of what he means when he says love each other, the way in which he has loved us. Okay. So this word love, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, there's actually four different words used in Greek, in ancient Greek, the Greek that's used in the original New Testament scriptures. There are four different words that are translated into English as love. So we lose something because we're using one word to describe what in ancient Greek was four different things. And here they are, storge, philia, eros, and agape. And I'm sure you've heard this before. Storge is the love within a family. And, and I'd like to characterize storge love like this. Because you are my family, I will put aside my wants and needs in order to meet your wants and needs. That's, that's what storge love is. I'll do this for you because you're my family. All right? Now, philia is, is the love of a friendship. And I would characterize that as because you're my friend, Ben, I will put aside my wants and needs in order to, in order to meet your wants and needs. How about that? That's sounding better. All right, okay, we're back. Okay, Philea, my mate Ben. So, because, because, because Ben's my friend, I'll put aside my wants and needs in order to meet his wants and needs. All right, Eros, which is the love between lovers, romantic love it's sometimes described. And I would like to characterize that as because you are my lover, Mary, <laughs> I will put aside my wants and needs in order to meet your wants and needs. So in each case, there's a because. Because you're part of my family, because you're my friend, because you're my lover, I will show love for you. Now, agape love sounds like this. I will sacrifice my own wants and needs in order to meet your wants and needs. There's no because. That, that, that's what it means by unconditional. The condition is the because, <laughs> but there's no condition. So 
agape love doesn't only apply to the people in this room that might happen to be members of my family. It doesn't only apply to the people in this room that might be my friends, that I particularly think of as friends. It doesn't only apply to my lover. It applies to all of you. And it's a call, what Jesus is asking us to do is to put aside our own wants and needs in order to help meet the wants and needs of anybody in the fellowship. It's, it's as radical a change as the other three things that had just happened in this passage when Jesus was um, meeting and sharing a meal with his followers. It's, it's a very, very radical way of looking at what love is. Because um, we, 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 try, we tend to hold our love back and only share it with people who meet some condition. But that's not the type of love that Jesus is talking about in this passage. Because, because the word that got translated into love wasn't storge, or philia, or eros, it was agape. Agape. Agape love. So what does that mean for us as a community? As a koinonia community? To what extent is that the love that any of us is experiencing here in this community. There's an opportunity here, going back to uh, what Adrian said about reset, there's an opportunity for us as a spiritual fellowship to re-examine how we show love in this community. Each one of us, it's a personal thing, you know, and, and um, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not accusing anybody, I'm not judging anybody, I'm, I'm sharing the word of God with us as a challenge and I think the challenge is for us to reset our understanding of community in this place and to reset our understanding of the type of love that we're asked to share with each other and to, to scrutinise ourselves. You know, part of our time of fasting in the week ahead can be just laying ourselves before God and say, God, probe and pry and tease things apart and show me what you see in my heart. Show me what is in my heart that's not measuring up to your heart for the people in this fellowship, Lord God. And, and I'd like to encourage everybody to invite God to do that with you over the week ahead. I, I see this as, as a, a complete reset. It's a reset from gathering together to sharing life together. It's a reset from two hours on a Sunday morning to 24-7 and allow God to challenge you about that. How do I make that switch, God? Which particular things do you want me to focus on right now 
that helped me make that transition to make our life together, the sharing of our life together as a spiritual fellowship closer to what you intend for us, God. To reset from, where am I? Here. Um, to reset from, eh, I'll do this stuff for my family, but, or I'll do this stuff for my friends, or with my friends, but, or, you know, for the, for the pe- person that I love, as a husband or wife, or in that situation, reset that to, God, challenge me about how you want me to show love for each person in this fellowship, or any of them, regardless of the nature of my relationship with them. The most important relationship I have with them is our shared belief, our shared faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're asked to show agape love for each other. And I think this, this message and, uh, and this challenge fits in very well with the fact that we're going into a week of fasting. Now, I want to take another look at this passage. We've had a very close look at what love each other might be all about. But I want to ask the question, why did Jesus consider this to be so important? The clue is in, in the passage itself. Why, why, why does Jesus want us to show agape love for each other? Sorry? He showed it to us, yes. More than that. Why is this important? So the world will know what? That we are his followers, that we are his disciples, that we've placed our faith in Jesus. I think that's really important. It is really, really important. Our agape love for each other within our koinonia, our spiritual fellowship, points other people who don't know him towards Jesus. That is so important. It sits alongside Jesus' commandment that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul and all our mind. It sits alongside Jesus' commandment in Matthew 22 that we love our neighbour the same as we love ourselves. It sits alongside Jesus' commandment in Matthew 28 that we go and make disciples of all nations. Part of the way that we do that is we show them something that looks attractive. We show them something that, that they are missing in their life. We show them something they haven't experienced out in the big wide world and they see it happening in our spiritual fellowship and think, what's this all about? I'm drawn, it's like a magnet drawing me to it and, and how do you explain it? And it points to Jesus. They see us sharing unconditional agape love for each other in this fellowship. It, it, part of them just 
resonates with. There's a need in them that can only be filled by experiencing that love. And the love that we have to show them is the same love that Jesus showed for us and for them. And we're introducing them to that love. So it's important that we do it well, isn't it? It's really important. Now, what's the devil going to want to do with this? He's going to want to derail it. What is he trying to derail? What is he going to try and derail? What's the really important thing that he's going to try and derail? The unity of, of the spiritual fellowship, that the koinonia, the, the, the sharing of agape love. The devil's going to destroy that. Why? He's going to try. Why? Because of what it does. It points to Jesus. The devil doesn't want anything pointing to Jesus. And Jesus has already said to us, this is a really important way that I want all of you to point to me. Of course the devil's going to try and derail it. Of course he is. You know, like he's trying to derail what it means to be a father in our society. Like he's trying to derail what it means to have a marriage in our society. He's trying to derail what it means to be male and female. And all those things are targets of the enemy because they speak about who God is and they speak about who Jesus is. And this is a target for the devil as well. The very nature of agape love is a target for the devil. He doesn't want us showing agape love to each other. He doesn't want the world to see a fellowship, a spiritual fellowship, a koinonia that is demonstrating agape love because he doesn't want any of the lost, hopeless, despairing, hurting, bound up souls on the planet to be able to look and see Jesus. So how's the devil doing this? How does he actually go about it? Deception? What, what is it that prevents any one of us, or what things? I'd, I'm not... I'm not Spending time helping someone make it, it sounds 
Rejection, yeah. I come and sit here to meet my new friends who I've never met before. So I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to start meeting all new people. And this global person turns and faces the other way because they're having fun. And then I'm here. And I'm afraid of being rejected like that. So I don't even go out in the first place. That's right. That's a really good example. I'm thinking of another big one. Someone's done something to you that goes beyond because, because you are my friend or because you're a friend. They've just done us out of their hand. So just share around the table quietly. It's not a big public thing where I'll be then calling it out after I've shared with everybody. I just share a moment, something that's happened for you.
because I want to also do this. Uh, and I'm not asking you to point your finger at anyone else with this one, but it's to, in the same in the same way to share a, a recent example from your own for yourself where you have not shared the data.
wants us to take the heavy burdens from our shoulders. And God promises full restoration. And he promises that his plans and purposes will be fulfilled. So we should take confidence in those things. And, and, and where we don't feel we've got the understanding or the strength or, or, or the emotional well-being to do what needs to be done. God actually says that all you need, all those things to me. Bring it to me in prayer. I will only hand back to you to carry the things that you are, that I know you are strong enough to carry. And God wants us to do this well. And, and he's given each of us what we need So I want to encourage people to spend time in prayer this week. Allow yourselves to be challenged about this. Ask God to show you how you can better share agape love with within our dwelling in, within our spiritual fellowship. And I'd like to finish in prayer. Um, I'll, I'll pray over the emblems and people can share So Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this bread and we thank you for this juice that represents your body broken and your blood shed for us. And, and all that we give and all that we are stems from what you've done for us. And, and Lord, in the passage we looked at today, it talks about us showing love to each other in the way that you have loved us. This is what we're talking about, the fact that So as we share this bread and this juice, Lord, we proclaim the fact that you died on the cross for our salvation. You took away the power of sin and death over us. And in sharing this, we just want to express, we want to proclaim that as a fact and express our gratitude to you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for us. Show us where.